Get ready to tune in to stories of average men striving for greatness to become the leaders that are needed in their homes, in their career, and their communities. This is the Brotherhood of Fatherhood podcast. Hey, everybody. Today we have Marcus Gersey with us, and I am super duper excited. Uh, Marcus is co-owner of Alpha Hippie. He is definitely a serial entrepreneur. Um, we'll talk a little more about that later. He's married for just shy of 10 years, has two kids, and uh, likes to race cars and make music. What's up, man? What's going on, brother? <laughs> I'm, I, I'm laughing. I say serial entrepreneur just because I think I've known you um, just maybe three years, right? Three years and I'm thinking of three different businesses. I'm sure there's been more, but um, I don't think that defines who we are. I think what we do defines who we are. And you've made a massive impact on a lot of people's lives. So um, yeah, I'm, that's a, that's just how I want to intro you. Just your, I love it. It was a, a very nice summary. You covered it was a, a very complete arc. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you've been, you were in the um, fitness industry for quite a few years. Yes. When did you start? I mean, you obviously you've owned a gym, but then you kind of moved into like serving gym owners and um, the wider community. So walk us through that a little bit, just so we have a little background on you. Yeah. So uh, I actually started in working with gym owners before I had a gym. Um, I had a marketing company and a business development company where we, we worked with small businesses and we, you know, really people who loved what they did, were trying to make a difference and didn't know how to run the business side of things. And in 2008, I, um, I met my, at the time, business partner and we met at my box. So this was a, a small CrossFit gym here in San Clemente, California. And we, we started talking about things and um, we, we started working with these small businesses. And at the same time, our, the gym owner at the time, Jeff Hughes, was like, hey man, like, I don't know what I'm doing. And I could really use some help. Do you think you could give us a hand in on the business side of things? And so, yeah, sure, absolutely. So we helped him out. And next thing you know, we got like three or four phone calls from his buddies saying, hey, can you help us out? I saw what you did with Jeff. And the, the light bulb started to go off. And it, I was already aware of the need because I, I had fallen in love with this community and the, I mean, the huge shift that was, I could sense was happening because of CrossFit just globally. And, you know, I, I was like, man, there is, this is really, really important. And I have yet to meet a gym owner, a CrossFit gym owner who really was running a great business. And it was just a, well, I can, I can help with this because I wanted to win, right? I wanted the movement to win. It was too important not to. So that was how I contributed. And then through doing that, I just fell so in love with the idea because I was just in gyms all day, every day. And I, um, and we start, I helped Zayana with uh, Barbells for Boobs and get that off the ground. So it was just so much exposure and to the community at large in different gyms. And I had wanted to start one, but we just got so busy that I just didn't have the bandwidth to do so. And then in 2011, my like lifelong uh, best friend, training partner, uh, and I said, you know what, let's just make it happen. And we just started looking at spaces. And within 30 days, we had opened our own gym in uh, my hometown, Mission Viejo. And um, yeah, that's how that started. 
That's really cool. Um, and then you just went on to do a few other pretty huge projects or businesses where you were serving gyms and continued in that space. How long did you actually own your, your brick and mortar business? Uh, just about five years. Yeah. So, so we had time. Yeah. And, um, you know, in doing so that was where then, yeah, that's where we got into barbell shrugged barbell business, gym, right. Um, you know, the software and all that stuff. So, um, and then gym breakthrough, because this is where, um, owning the gym myself. It was one thing working with the gym owners and implementing fundamentals and, and so on. But when I ran it myself, it became abundantly clear that there were, the tools were missing. It wasn't just that gym owners didn't know what to do. It was also that there was a huge gap in the types of marketing tools and software and websites and automation that was just not even on people's radar yet. And I was pretty good at it. So we uh, we developed a, a 1.0 version and I ended up finding a, a, a guy who had, you know, put some pieces together and then we collaborated and then we built what ended up becoming Barbell Logic and partnered with Barbell Shrugged and Barbell Business. And that was a, a, a rocket ship. Yeah, it was. It left a huge impact. It made a huge impact in the, in the fitness community. But you go way beyond fitness, man. I mean, you, you, I, I, I first met you, you were doing... Um, Wait, what project, what business were you running at that point? Your... That was the Ascension Lab. That's my agency. Right. So Ascension Labs, your agency, you're working with a company that I was working with at the time. And then um, not too long after that, you, you stepped into um, co-owner at Alpha Hippie. And um, right. we'll get into that a little later because I love what you guys are doing. And it's, it, you know, a lot of it is, uh, is very in line with the thinking that... Um, I'm trying to get across to the group of men that listen to this podcast and are a part of our group. And I don't think that there's um, enough people, enough men speaking into men's lives. I mean, it's just, it, it's an absolute need, but man, I got to first ask. Uh, I saw a few months ago, I think you have a Subaru. I'm going to mess this up. You have a Subaru? You have a WRS? Do, yeah. yeah. So an STI, yeah. OS. Okay. And so you were at a racetrack. So you, you were putting it to the paces. Is that the first time you'd done that with that car? And, and like, let's back up and talk about racing and driving oh, fast. Man. Oh boy. Now you're getting <laughs> to my first love. All right. Yeah. So um, I grew up in a household where uh, racing was a big part of what we did because my father was a race mechanic. He was the head race mechanic for BMW at their main location in Bavaria. That's where my family's from, Austria, Germany. And he grew up doing that. And I just grew, I was obsessed with cars since I was a little boy. And as soon as I was even physically able to hold the steering wheel and look over the dashboard while hitting the pedals, I, I was driving and racing and, and having fun. So um, yeah, I raced all through my teenage years. I was in car clubs and, um, you know, during the whole like import scene. And, um, you know, you asked me about something weird about myself before. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so something interesting, when we were, when I was like 16 or so, um, there was actually, we would go to the, like the illegal drag races and go race for money and do all the stuff you're not supposed to do. And um, the, there was actually a crew that contacted us, like my car crew, because we were notorious at these drag races. 
And then they followed us around. And this was actually the crew that was doing the research for the original Fast and the Furious movie. No way. <laughs> yeah. And so that was kind of cool to see what that ended up turning into. But just a few um, movies, just a few, <laughs> just a few. I, I really wish I would have known anything about business at that point. <laughs> Do you mind cutting this in? Um, so needless to say, yeah, so we, I grew up racing cars like that. And um, then as I got into my, my late teens, early twenties, I did less and less of it because that was really where like the music took over. And I really, that was what I wanted to pursue as a career and all that. So um, I don't know if you've heard, but when you are a starving musician, you don't have car racing money. So um, I put that on ice for a little while, but yeah, I re I revisited that uh, this last year where I came to the conclusion, you know, it was funny. I was telling my wife, um, you know, I really, my, one of my old racing buddies started racing again as well. And he was going to the track all the time. And he's like, man, you should come with me. And I made the fatal mistake. I went with him and I did a ride along. And as soon as you feel the feelings, you're like, oh yes. Yeah. So immediately went back, told my wife, I'm like, I'm ordering a car, deal with it. And she's like, I'm surprised you took this long. And I'm like, yeah. what? <laughs> oh, that's so a green light response. Yeah, that's right. Oh, she's all for it. She loves it. And so, um, yeah, I ordered that STI cause this is, um, I had an STI many years ago and I loved racing it. It's just bang for your buck. It just, it does so well at the track. It feels good. It's just got that every, it's got the, the quintessential race car personality, everything mm -hmm. about it. And I was always a fan. And this year I found out that they're discontinuing the model that has been the one that's made them famous because what made, what kept it so cool. And if you're not a car nut, this might be a little lame, but what kept it so cool is that they did not install and upgrade everything to become electronic and paddle shifting and electronic assist this and electronic steering and every, everything has become computer controlled. Right. And I get it. It's, you can perform better that way but it's also a very different driving experience. And the way I grew up, you're driving a manual with a clutch and a, an actual shifter in your hand, and you can really feel the, the feedback through the steering wheel, which you don't get that same kind of response through all the electronic stuff. And when I found out this was the last year that they were doing this model and they made a bunch of like last year upgrades to it, bigger brakes, bigger wheels, like all sorts of stuff. I'm like, all right, that's it. Yeah. So I went and, and got the exact one that I wanted. And yeah, what you saw was, um, I think that was my second or third time I went. That's exciting. It. That's yeah. really exciting. Um, reminds me, I met this guy two years ago. I was taking my son to this, this weekly group called man up where they would go and they would learn man skills. It was really cool. And dads would come, you know, like how to patch a tire and um, how to shoot guns and all these really cool things. It actually was one of the things that really kind of started my brain ticking for brotherhood of fatherhood, but um, did this thing called man up and we're there and we don't, I don't know what's going on. And this guy drives up in a Lamborghini and um, uh, I don't remember which model. It was nice. Um, he drives up in this Lambo, and he and he is he is like one of three guys in the world that um, has security clearance and trains special forces e evasion driving techniques. And so he trains these guys how to drive backwards in the woods and back, you know, and and how to shoot and all these things. But I'm like, so what is your job when you're not traveling around the world? And he's like. Well, you know, we live in a really kind of an affluent area. We have a racetrack, um, probably 15 minutes from here, pretty big one. And um, he's like, I, I actually just drive people's cars on the track. I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, well, the kind of cars these guys have in this area, they, they can't buy them 
unless they um, sign on that they will put a certain amount of hours on them on the track. I'm like, this, I knew nothing about this. He goes, so I just drive exotic cars on the track. I, I work for Porsche and Audi, uh, you know, and I race Le Mans and I do all these things, but this is fun. I just take guys' cars, these million dollar cars and race them on the track, put hours on them. Like, okay, there's a way you to introduce me to that guy. <laughs> uh, you, just, you just described my like pie in the sky. Like, yeah. wait a minute, you're just going to give me the keys to your new Ferrari to go and put some miles on, on, on the track? Yeah. Deal. It's insane. I, I'm like, is this common he's like around here he's like yeah these guys can't they don't have time they're ceos they own businesses they just want to drive this on the weekend but you cannot buy that level of car straight from the factory unless you certify it's going to be raced or put through the paces a certain amount of time <laughs> like how do you land that gig of course he's doing this you know special special services tactical he's like i've, I've trained people i can't tell you about but you know uh, like, wow, this is a really cool guy to listen, talk about cars. And that's kind of where I started to kind of get really interested in the type of things. Like, you know, when you, when you showed me that, I was like, mm, that's got to be so much adrenaline pumping through your system during that time. Oh yeah. 20 minutes at a time. 20 minutes. What's yeah. the, when I go mountain biking, I get a, I get a flow. I get in a flow state. I, I like literally there's adrenaline going Um I, I, I move, I maneuver the bike in ways that I, you know, I'm uh, like, I'm like, how is that even human? I can't do it. If someone says, just do this. Uh, is that what it's like when you're, when you're taking a car on laps, is there a lot of intuition going on and kind of flow? hundred percent. It's, there's nothing, at least for me that I have found to date that puts me into as deep a flow state as racing does. That's really cool. So I, I, do you think that enough men just, just a generalization of America. Let's just stick with Americans right now. Do you think enough of them have an outlet like that? No. Yeah, most of the men that we, we work with in, in C, which are, you know, we work with men of all walks of life, although most of them tend to be business owners, CEOs, executives of some kind, because we tend to appeal more to the person who's, who really wants to do something, right? And yep. not be quite as passive. Um, and... Most of them don't, almost none of them do until we make them because it's such a key component to have an outlet like that and to have an expression like that to where you, you are regularly putting yourself into a flow state, doing something that just feels good. That is really, it's play, yeah. right? We don't play enough as grown men and that's important. I think there's a really important balance to talk about too. Um, a lot of men will, will say, you know, my wife gets upset that I'm doing this and, and my, I'm, I'm sitting back going, is it the delivery? Is it the un imbalance? Is it, you know, what, there's so many things that play a factor. Um, but there is just an absolute, you may agree or disagree with me. There's just an absolute need, I think for men to really step into their potential and really be who they need to be. They need adrenaline. And they need that outlet. They need some sort, maybe some sort of aggression or win um, frequently in their lives, because I think that drives excellence. I think it drives us to pursue things that we wouldn't normally pursue, step out when it's scary. Um, you know, I would say running into the storm to get through it faster, where you, you just nose down and just go for it. 100%. It is a key component to growing. You and this isn't just necessarily applied to men, but it's a, it's 
missing. I'm, we work exclusively with men, so uh, I'll stick to what I what I know. And the the reality is is that it is one of the key ingredients to achieving everything that you want, and that is to continuously seek out challenges for yourself and get out of this defensive state of life is happening to me and I'll do it when the time is right. And, you know, cause we all, we all grow up or not. We all, so many of us grow up and are taught to live on a, in a permanent state of defense, right? Be careful. Oh, that's too risky. You don't want to get hurt. And it teaches us. And I, and I get that it's coming from good intentions and love. And at the same time, it's handicapping us because it's teaching us to live on offense. And yeah. the problem with that is that you are not now actively going out and seeking those challenges, whether we're talking about play is one thing, but it's more importantly in all the other areas of your life, your career, your relationship as a father, this is where we should be actively seeking out the next challenge, the next conflict to grow from, because that's all that is. All that is, is it's, it just means that you've met your limitation with something and there's an opportunity to grow. And we want to keep finding those limitations so that we have an opportunity to grow and to get that win. It's not about the outcome of the challenge, even as much as it is the challenge itself, because what that does is it teaches you trust, self-trust. And if you don't have that cultivated, that deep rooted self-trust of knowing, I go there, I will, I will power through it. And I will, I will learn the lessons. I am, I am okay with the challenge because I know I will learn lessons that will help me grow as a man. That is the fundamental, that's the, the reason underneath it all for these types of challenges. Mm -hmm. And this obviously having one where it's for fun is to balance it out too. It isn't just about always going and, and you know, challenging yourself in, in ways that, you know, a lot of people would maybe think is, oh, it sucks to always be in this I'm grinding here, grinding. It's like, well, do it in, with fun things too. Do it with creative things too. It's a full spectrum we have to take care of. Yeah. yeah I want to talk, I want to sit in this for a while because it's been, it's been a big theme for me. And I, I used a, it's funny, I, I was at a conference and I heard a guy that I know come out and he talked, it was like 20,000 people. And he shared the story of the Buffalo and how the Buffalo run into the storm with storms coming over the mountain. They see it, they run towards it because they're going to get, it's going to be painful because it's a big storm. It's going to suck, but they know the faster they run into it and through it, the, the sooner they come to a place where they're safe and, and you know, they're, they're through it. Uh, the cattle will run away from it or move away from it and spend a tremendous time in that storm and get beat up and killed or whatever. Right. He's like, we need to be Buffalo. The funny thing is I've told this story in the podcast already, but I have to say it again. The funny thing is the next speaker, uh, I'll give you one, one, ch one chance to think of who that might've been. You, you, you're not going to get it, but once I say it, you're going to understand it. Rich Froning. So Rich Froning is the next speaker on the, on the, on the stage. And not a month later, he has a t-shirt and brand that says into the storm with a Buffalo after this guy made this speech. Because, so I love this whole, like this theme and I'm looking at you now and I'm, I'm getting a peek and you've said it, it says run towards the fire, same thing. Well, so is run towards the fire, just running into challenges. It's seeking out the opportunities to grow. Mm -hmm. yeah, it's seeking out the challenges, right? And that's, it's the fundamental difference of living on defense 
versus living on offense. You don't win the game of life on defense. You don't win games on defense. You win on offense by taking shots. Not that defense doesn't also matter, but you won't win if you're not taking shots. And the point is here is to go to determine what it is that you really truly want in your life and keep moving towards it. Seek out the next challenge that's going to get you closer, even if it hurts, even if it sucks for a minute, even if it's uncomfortable. That's the point. Yep. You're willing to step into it to grow and learn the lesson and acquire the new skill, the new knowledge required to move on to the next level and stay there, not just take a step forward, take two steps back, like so many people do. They wonder why they, you know, they feel like life is just, I guess this is just how it is. You know, and you know, it's I try and I try and it just doesn't work out. So I, I'll just deal with it. And they just tolerate life. And that's so sad to see, right? Because when you ask the people who are tolerating life, are you happy? I've yet to ever hear a yes, at least an honest one. Yeah. I I got, I got some flack for stepping away from my full-time regular job. And, um, you know, I question like, what, why, why is this so surprising to you? What about it makes you think it's a bad choice? Like you, but you know what you're making, you know, what you know, what you're getting every month. And I'm like, that's exactly why I need to leave. Like there is so much more experience and so much more potential. It doesn't have to do with money. Money is important, but there's so much more on the other side of that um, discomfort. There's so much more on the side of going out and, and pushing through something that's unknown. And I think we, sh- we gain so much from putting a lot at risk. 100%. Yeah. So I know I get a lot of... Um, questions and comments and discussion from men who have an innate desire to start a business. I I just think it's one of the things that many men who um, just want more, it's, it's just kind of there, there, or maybe it's the people I surround myself. There's this spirit of like, I'm tired of working for someone else and I want to do this thing on my own. Um, Do you, do you feel like that's part of running towards the fire? I mean, how do you equate personal business entrepreneurship into this, this equation? I don't think that's a required part of it. Um, I just Absolutely. find that I, I don't because it's not for everyone. It's not for many. And it is also the, the best way I've seen to truly flush out your limitations because you, when you get into business and if you actually want to succeed and not just be one of the nine out of 10 that fail, it's, it's usually just because they give up too early, right? They didn't get help in time. They burned themselves out. They were too stubborn, whatever. Um, and that's because they took two steps forward or took a step forward and took two back, right? They weren't willing to get into it and learn and grow and fail and grow and fail and grow and fail and grow over and over hundreds and thousands of times. And, you know, I mean, obviously I'm biased. I've been in business for myself most of my adult life. And I've built lots of different companies and been on lots of different projects. So this is what I, the world that I've been in and I learned so much from it, you know, and yet I don't, I know many people who they would benefit greatly from learning the lessons. Um, 
until they found something or showed up with something that they were really passionate about, I wouldn't suggest it. I, I agree. <laughs> I really agree. Now, do you think that um, this is something I also have thought a lot about is building a business out of your passion? There's a lot of talk about passion, but then there's a lot of um, warning about building your 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 business or your your you know side gig around your passion. I built a business out of a passion with cycling. I built. I, I loved cycling. I loved riding. I loved working on bikes. I was good at it. Um, just nerd at the mechanical level of all of that stuff. And I and I created a bike shop. And it was pretty stinking successful. In the process, I began to hate cycling. You know, five, six years into it, I'm like, I, I'm burnt. I was burnt out. So where do you draw the line between passion and building a business and maintaining that, that balance? Well, a couple of things in this. Number one, um, I am very much in the camp that you should do what you're passionate about because it's what's going to carry you through those first many lessons to get you dangerous enough to actually be good enough to win the game, right? Because if you're not, it can get really hard and you will burn out and give up and walk away. And second, I think that when you do what you're passionate about, you are gonna get far better, far faster because it's what you eat, sleep and dream. It's right. what you love. So you are in it. So you have a competitive advantage of just flat out knowing more and being better at the thing, right? Which is important. Yeah. Um, again, especially when you're new, you can, once you're seasoned and you know how, how to build and start and grow a business, the passion isn't required to be good at building or to build a successful business per se, but now you're just building a machine for the sake of building the machine. And maybe the business part is what you're passionate about, yeah. right? right? But I digress. Um, yet that's, it's a boundary issue. I think that what happens is, is that you, people who get into it because they're passionate, they, they're also, they're not taking care of themselves. They're not, they're not setting and maintaining the important boundaries necessary with themselves, with their family and friends, with the hobby. And you blur, you burn it out. You can burn anything out that you love right? And just, just like a relationship, right? You find the person of your dreams and you, you spend too much time and there's just no boundaries and no, there's no space. At some point, you're going to get over it because it's just too much. And again, that's the boundary part around, well, there's a good chance, you know, with your bike business, you were in it, but maybe you weren't, you were spending too much time in the business and not enough time doing other things for you to keep yourself balanced. Right. Well, it's 100%. Looking back, I know exactly what happened, at least, you know, how, how many times I've torn it apart and looked at it. It was a lack of balance, 100% a lack of balance. And um, I, you, and, and identity, it was an identity problem. I had my complete identity wrapped up in this, um, in, in who I was as a business owner. And, and that is dangerous. So let's talk about identity, because I think it's a really it's, it's a, it is a, a theme that comes up frequently of uh, men who have succeeded will say, I was, um, my identity was in something or what I did. And it wasn't until I stepped into my true identity and realized, 
what I did had nothing to do with who I am, that I actually started to succeed. And I think it's a huge, a huge um, piece to the puzzle of success is really identifying your true identity and getting unstuck from some of those maybe boyhood childish type things. Like I'm a football player. I'm a, you know, I'm a part of the chess team and then you know, that's who you are. And it, it has nothing to do with it. That's a bunch of bullshit. Um, so what, what do you guys, what do you guys say about identity? Well, that's literally at the baseline of what we do. You know, I mean, what you just described is arguably the, the, the single biggest challenge for, or, or reason why so many men struggle is because they are still stuck in an identity that doesn't serve them, right? So let's, let's zoom out. We experience our lives based on the stories that we believe to be true about ourselves and the world around us. Yes? Exactly. <laughs> Correct. And when we're growing up, we're given most of those stories. We're not choosing our own stories yet. Our parents give us their stories. Our teachers give us their stories, their beliefs, your friends, your soccer coach, your people you grew up with, the, the, the TV you watch, the, all of that, the music you listen to, this all installs stories and beliefs that create your lens, your belief system. And the bad news is, is that, like I said, a lot of those stories don't serve you and they come from other people who have their own limiting beliefs and their own versions of this lens and they get projected onto you. And because you don't know that it's not true, your subconscious files it away as true. And this is where we have these identities that because our egos are still forming, we are, we're becoming this version of ourselves and that's fine until it's not. Because what ends up happening then is that we grow up and we don't really in the society grow up as men. We kind of stay in this state of boyhood as we are taught by society and through our education system. We're not really shown how to become healthy, stable men. So, and how media portrays us and there's so much to this, but to make a long story short, we become adults and we get married and then we have some kids or we have our careers and we have our businesses, whatever these bigger milestones are. And what happens to so many, so many men is that they, because we're told to just, well, put your nose down, grind. This is, this is just how it is. Life's a bitch, then you die. I mean, all the, all the sentiments and maxims around what it is to be a man, right? Boys don't cry, toughen up, all this stuff that teaches us basically, hey, don't have the feelings and no one else is complaining about it. So you better not be the one to, to pipe up here and stand out. And this is a really bad, this is a big problem because what ends up happening is that we don't have any less emotions. We just don't know how to, what to do with them. We label them as bad. We, and then we punish ourselves subconsciously or, or indirectly in how we live our lives this is where substance abuse comes from. This is where overdoing it at work, becoming a workaholic, um, infidelity issues, so many things because the identity is still this boyish identity that does not know how to do what we talked about, to embrace the challenges and step into these and face these things to get through them to become the man. And so we struggle, we procrastinate, we, we deny our reality and we become freaking miserable. Yeah. 
right? Everything, you're just like, man, I feel like I'm on a hamster wheel. I work my ass off I, and, I, and I love my family, but I know I'm not doing a great job as a dad, or at least I could be doing a lot better. My kids deserve a lot better. I know I could be a better husband, but we just, you know, we're busy, it's life. And we convince ourselves that these excuses are true. They're not, they are not. You are stuck in a false sense of reality. You are believing your own bullshit. And until you recognize that and are willing to sack up and say, I don't like this. This is not what I pictured for myself. Like I totally want more. I would love to have a great relationship with my wife. I don't wanna be eyeballing the barista because I haven't you know, had great sex with my wife in months or years, right? You're doing that because your real relationship sucks or is unfulfilling where you want it to be fulfilling, right? And, and on and on and on. And so the identity piece, right? The good news to what I was saying about the stories that dictate our experience, you can absolutely reframe them. And you are able to, to find these root, these origin stories and beliefs and rewire your mindset, your lens, and start experiencing your life as the person you actually were all along. Why do you think you feel that dissonance inside you? That, that deep frustration, that anger of what the hell? Like, I know I, I don't want to be the fat guy, but I'm stuck as the fat guy right? Or I, I don't want to suck at money. Like I, I want to I live a nice life. Like I'm willing to work hard, but I can't seem to stop crapping the bed at work or, you know, putting myself out there. I clam up. I, you know, I'm afraid or fill it in the blank. And you want these things. That's who you actually are. The stories and things are just holding that person down, keeping that, that old identity that you glued together as a young man or boy there because it feels safer. It's a lot safer to just stick with what you know than it is to step into the, the darkness, into the unknown. But the reality is, is the second that you do, all the lights come on and it isn't dark at all. Right. Right? You realize, holy crap. I didn't have to feel like this the whole time. I didn't always have to be stressed out. I didn't always have to just keep starting, starting over, start again, start over. That None of that had to be. But we're the, the, the overall um, like socialized belief is that we as men, this is how it is. And it's not. And anyone who's gotten to the other side will tell you, like, just like you said, talk to anyone who's really successful and happy, not successful and only has money because right. most of those guys are super miserable and they're only there because they, they drove their relationships, their health, their lives into the floor to make the money to overcompensate for some one of one of these stories or a handful of these stories. It's a whole nother conversation. But talk to someone who's really successful and happy and has a great family. That's the guy you want to talk to. Yeah. Right? Because they'll tell you, oh, that's because you're you still believe that crap. You're still right. stuck in an old paradigm that doesn't serve you. And it's what's holding you back. You're playing small because you're afraid of, of being as amazing as you actually are. That's what's sub subconsciously going on. I, the first time I went through and, and kind of did, did what you're talking about just in short time, very short time, I, I uncovered these stories and looked at the origin and looked at the way that I had them framed still as 47 years old, they were framed so screwed up. All I did 
was had help reframing what really happened, took personal responsibility for where it was needed, and then like looked at it the way from an outside lens, thinking, this is this, this has caused me so much grief. This one thing, the way that I interpreted, the way that I told that story in my head for 40 years has brought me to this place here. And I mean, I can't scream from the rooftops enough to tell people you've got to go back and you've got to revisit that. You've got to get someone to help you revisit that. We're not talking about some weirdo stuff. We're just talking about some real techniques where you can go in and just crush it and you can go in and reframe all of that stuff that is holding you back. And the amount of freedom and the amount of like, we're talking about years and years and years and then massive jumps in the way, like for me personally, the things I've seen and the way I see them. And it, it goes from that would have been a losing situation and a beat myself up situation to a complete win. Like I look at it now and it's totally reframed and I can win. I can walk away, you know, like on top because I know the real truth about who I am and how I'm supposed to handle things and how I see myself, my identity and what that person does and what happened over there has nothing to do with it. They have no control over it. Right. And imagine when you do that kind of work and you do a whole bunch of it in a row, you can, you can really unjam the, the big things. And, you know, and the question is that we get often from, from people as they're kind of exploring these ideas is, you know, well, you know, I, I just want to do better in my career. I'm just trying to fix my relationship. It's like, what do you, what is the common denominator in everything in your life? You, you are the common denominator. And until you fix you, all of these external things are going to keep in, stay in their cycles because you are still at this stage and it's going to keep butting up against the ceiling, trying to give you an opportunity to be in pain enough to do something about it. You deny it. You go back to your cycle and we just keep repeating right? But until you are willing to face this stuff and take that initial leap, that's all it really is, is take the initial leap, find someone who, who, you res who resonates with you or you resonate with, and you say, okay, like, I dig this person's style, this person's perspective, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get the help. And it's, it's very rarely, and, I, and this isn't to take away from anyone who does traditional therapy, that has its role, but that is a different role, Right? This is something very specific. And this is what will open you up to everything. Everything that you didn't think you could do, that you wanted to be better at. Like I said, your career, your health, your relationships, your just day-to-day -day happiness. It unlocks everything because it is the common denominator. It is the root of it all is you, right? And it's funny how in our society, it is people are so quick to spend so much money on so much useless crap. And yet then when it comes to investing in themselves to make themselves happier or healthier, they're like, Oh, well, I don't know. The gym down the street is, you know, $20 less. And it's like, dude, this is the gym you want to be at though. Right. Or this guy actually can help you solve the problem. And, um, you know, I would just say it's, think about your, your future, your happiness. What does this mean for your career? How much more money will you make when, you are confident and you realize you're not afraid to step out in front anymore and to take the bigger shots. 
it will pay off a hundred times over. What about your relationship? What's cheaper? Letting your, your relationship take a crap and getting a divorce and giving up half you got and, and all the sadness and all the pain that comes with that? Or fixing the relationship with the person you actually love and turning it into this amazing thing? Right. Right? Your kids, all this stuff. Well, yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a whole nother thing that I could go off on is these men that have affairs or, or, or start to dream about how it's better with another woman when really they fell in love with that woman. They're just being freaking lazy. I mean, there's a lot of work that needs to go in it, but it's like, Hey, let's get back to pursuing, you know, who you really love because the pain is so much less. Um, it's the boyish thing to do. It is the boyish. It just shows you that there's just still in that part of their life in that part of their identity, there's still a boy. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to say something as, as an outsider. So Marcus, I know I have a lot to work on, but I'm really busy right now. I don't have time. Like maybe in a few months, you know, I'll have some things put together and then I'll be able to really dig into this. Bullshit. You're, you're avoiding, you're avoiding, you're going to pass up an opportunity because usually when someone reaches out for whatever thing it is, whether they're reaching out to a gym, they're reaching out to me, um, you're reaching out because you're in pain. Something has cropped up for you. It's becoming overwhelming. You're sick and tired of feeling this way or whatever it is, right? Yet then when it comes to actually spending the money to do something about, it, ah, I'm too busy. I'll start after, you know, after the holidays or whatever. There is no perfect time. The perfect time is when you feel inclined to do it. And it's usually when it'll, you will come up with the best justifications not to is exactly the time you pull the trigger because you're, the, you're gonna get the most uncomfortable. And how do you get the most growth? Get as uncomfortable as possible in the thing, right? If it's just easy for me, if I'm overweight and I wanna, I wanna get in shape and it's just like, oh, I don't know, I'll just kind of putz down to the gym. I'll just get in a workout, do it. You're not, you're not gonna stay consistent enough. There's not enough, there's not enough inspiration there to really turn that into something. But if I'm afraid that I'm gonna have a heart attack and I'm on this medication and it's making me, it's distracting me at work and it's affecting my ability to do the things because I'm not taking care of myself. And the doctor says, if I don't, then I'm gonna die. And what about my kids? All of a sudden there's this urgency of like, I gotta do something about this. Then do it. If you have the feeling and you're sick of it, lean into it, run into the fire. That is where your growth is. Quit being a chicken shit and backing off from the, the universe, God, whatever you want to call it, giving you the, the gift of the pain to do something about it. That is the gift. That is just an indicator for you saying, hey, buddy, you're doing this wrong and I'm showing you this sucks so that you do something about it because you were born to be great. You were born to be amazing and you're not living up to your potential because you're afraid. History, history repaints this story over and over again. We hear stories of men who were facing giants. They were, they were facing all sorts of stuff and they leaned into it, like you said, and come out victorious. They built a crazy, huge company. They've, they've impacted a ton of lives. They've brought themselves from literally bankruptcy or millions in debt to a billionaire. It never is. Well, I was sitting on the beach, super comfortable drinking my, my tie and thinking, what can I do today? It was everything around me sucks right now. And if I don't do something this very second, nothing's ever going to change. And yet so frequently men 
and probably women get to that point and they freeze. And, um, it, you know, just look at history, just look at the great people in the past, almost every single story of amazement of, of amazing leaps, bounds and, and successes, uh, relationships are born from the fire. They are born from these horrible situations. You just have to crawl back in and look back at the past and ask. And I, I, I would challenge anybody who meets somebody that's wildly successful in whatever it is. Where did this start? How, how cozy was your life? And I guarantee it's going to be really hard to find someone that you look up to who started in a nice, cozy situation. I have yet to meet anyone who's really built something amazing that didn't go through the fire more than once. And the more amazing it was, or more amazing it is, the more fires they went through, they went into. And that's because it is the journey. It is the hero's journey. That's a thing for a reason. It's because that is how we grow as people. That is how you are able to accomplish these incredible things, whether it's as an athlete, it's as a businessman, it's just being the hero of your household, right? Yep. You, it, it's always the same story. It's, I had this really terrible experience or this terrible feeling or this background or the circumstance that I was backed into a corner and I just said, screw it. Like I'm, I'm, it's, there's no way out. I'm going through this thing. And guess what? It always turns into something great because that is literally the way to, to make the growth. That is where it is. It's not because you saw an easy challenge and you just knocked out the quick and easy one. It's in the process of the bigger one. That's where it is. It's not even the outcome. It's the fact that you did the thing and you, you, were, you went into it and you discovered like, I can, do, I can handle this, I can do this. And this is what, what, how we level up. Yeah, it's just, it's, it's um, maybe a little, I'm sure it's been a longstanding thing where we are seeking comfort, but you look, you look at um, just history where people have given up and no one's ever gotten anywhere by giving up, never. I mean, it's like, oh, my business isn't succeeding, I'm gonna quit. Well, maybe you just needed to pivot or maybe you were, I don't know if you've ever read the book, Three Feet from Gold. It's an incredible book about mm -hmm. a, um, a gold, like a gold strike and a family, I, I, I'm going to butcher it, but they, they literally got three feet from the main vein they literally, and they gave up. And then someone, you know, bought that. I don't, I don't know the story, but it's, it's a story of like, like, do you really want to stop? Like, if it's not hurting you. If it's a dream you're following, like what should really stop you? Unless it's destroying other people. Oop. Alexa's trying to answer me. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> She's like, I got the answer right here. Yeah. Um, I, I, and I'll even challenge that a bit. Even if it is hurting you, the scars are also part of the process. Like, uh, absolutely. like oh, I don't want to go into debt over my business. Well, then you should probably not be in business. And I'm not saying that the goal is to be in debt. But the fact that you're backing down to something so minor, a temporary state, right? In order for you to learn the lessons and to have the experience or to hire the coach, you know, it's like how many businesses, I, I used to get this as a business coach. And that was, as you know, that was my, my life for many years. And I, this would constantly be a thing when people would reach out, they'd hear a podcast 
and they'd, you know, they'd reach out and inquire about what we did. And then they're like, oh man, you know, I'm just, I'm struggling so bad. You know, I'm just so worried this business is going to fail. I've been at this for years. I can't figure it out. You know, I'm sleeping out of the, out of my truck or, you know, and my mom freaking mortgaged her house to lend me the money to start this thing. And I'm like a month away from going out of business. And it's like, okay. And you know, it's X amount to get the help to solve the problem. And they're like, oh, that's too expensive. That's too expensive. I can tell you what's more expensive is giving up. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And, and we do this in so many areas we're, we're blind to it. And again, this is, we are socialized to behave this way and to just stay comfortable and comfort is the exact opposite of growth. Right. Now I'm not saying that you shouldn't seek out comfort. I'm real good at getting comfortable when it's time to be comfortable. I love nice things. I love it being easy because I've worked really hard and I've gone through the stuff and I've earned the ability to, to do both. Well, I know you, how. Don't you think that it's so much more enjoyable to have the comfort well, thing that you've gone through the fire? Of course. Well, you appreciate it, right? You, you understand that it isn't just about the, the house or the vacation. It's the fact that I, I, I really earned this. I remember what it was like dreaming about having my house or dreaming about going on a nice vacation with my family and not being able to do it and feeling really miserable that I couldn't provide that. Yeah. Right. So I'm not saying it's all about uh, the struggle or the grind. It's, it's about understanding its role. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, and, and I just go like right now, let's go into a, a, an area I understand. And it, it, this applies to anybody, but COVID sucks. COVID is, has wrecked people, but it's also brought a tremendous amount of success for, to people. Um, you know, I've had more personally, more personal growth and financial growth through COVID than any other time probably in my life. Why? Because it's a challenge. And it, it, it gets you out of that. It forces you out of a comfort zone. Everything's new. You have to innovate. You have to adjust. You have to pivot. I truly believe like for small business owners that are struggling right now, they're, they're, I mean, they are, it is tough. I keep telling them like, if you want to, if you want to close shop because it's not your dream anymore, I mean, that's one thing, but like, you think, what do you think is going to happen if you stick to this? If you stick through it? All the weak people who gave up yeah. are basically dumping their clients into your lap. Like if exactly. you can, if you can ride this storm, you are going to ride the wave. Like we're talking like a big storm comes up and then we get to go ride the waves. Right. I mean, that's it's the like way I Forrest Gump. Gump. <laughs> Remember in Forrest Gump with the shrimping yep. business, there was a whole bunch of boats and they were the only ones who faced the storm and powered through it. Everyone else got wrecked. They were the only ones left and they did and The shrimping was easy after that. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and, and it's not just, a, it's not about just the money. I mean, that's, that's the side effect of, of your market, your competition being eliminating or eliminating themselves, um, which is definitely a perk. But I think more importantly, the, the benefit from do going through it and sticking through it is the muscle you develop from constantly facing the challenges and having to figure it out. It's not that it's going to be easy. It's that it's worth it. Yeah. 
right? You will, you were, I had a conversation with someone, um, he was a former client of mine and we, we, we just were chatting about this last year and how he was able to much like you, it's like, this is the best year of my life ever. And he's like, it was the hardest year of my life ever, but I've accomplished more in this last year than I did in the last many years. It's like, exactly. Because you, it was, and it was very hard the first several months for him. He did not have a lot of growth at first, right? Just like in all this stuff, you start going to the gym for the first time after a long time, it's going to feel like not much is happening and this is discouraging and I want to give up. But after a few months, three, four, five, six months, all of a sudden it starts to get a little easier, start to notice a difference. Oh, wait, I'm getting stronger. I'm getting more confident. And you start to pick up momentum. It's the same thing in this. I've watched so many people struggle like crazy, but those who are willing to keep at it because they loved what they did and they, they were on a mission you will figure it out and you will become stronger from it. And this was just one that happened to all of us at the same time. Right. Right. So you get to really see what frame people are experiencing their life in. Yeah. Right? I, yeah. And you are seeing people, uh, I'm seeing people who haven't even come out the other side yet. Like they're still facing closures or they're still facing really low numbers and their business is really hurting. But what, what, have, what have they done? They've used this opportunity to dig in they've done and done, went in and manually did a bunch of stuff inside their business so it looks a million times better they've revamped their marketing plan so that when it's time they're ready to strike they've they've trained their staff to the hilt they've given their staff projects to work on that are going to launch the business into a completely new orbit when things are back up and running they're giving themselves life in a life-sucking situation, they're literally just pumping life into their business when the time is right. Yeah, it's a choice. It's all a choice. What is a way to, for men to pump life into themselves? Ask, tell me more. So when they're struggling, they feel stuck. They're, they're up against the wall. What do they need to do? What does someone need to do? I, I, I think they need to get other men alongside them that are going to push them. What have you seen? Yeah. What do you see the, most successful? The, the very me? first thing, the very first thing we actually already spoke about, and that was to just face your BS, right? Yeah. Stop lying to yourself about what's going on so that you can use the frustration, the anger, the disappointment that you, that you feel for that blip in time to get you off your ass and out of the comfortable state that you are keeping yourself in to go take action, right? So that's the first piece. And that's really what sets you free to begin with. It's like the, the entry ticket to getting, making any real progress. It's admitting that this sucks and that I don't, I'm not okay with it. And I do not want this. I want that. Okay. I, I totally screwed up. I've, I've been playing small, I, whatever it is, no padding straight to the face. Okay. That's the, that's the entry ticket. And then, yes, it is about getting yourself around and just, uh, it's about taking a look at your inputs, right? And that's usually, the, and the people that we spend the time with, there's that wonderful Jim Rohn quote, right? Where the average of the five people we spend the most time with, but it's not just the people, it's the inputs. What are you watching on TV? What do you have? Who are you following on social media? What, are you what kind of music are you listening to? All those things add up too, yet, those things are passive, right? Those are one dimensional. You are, you are consuming the thing. 
right? But the people you spend time with, getting around people who are also trying to improve and are also not BSing themselves and the people around them, it will completely change your life, completely, because you will very quickly realize you are not alone. We all have version of these challenges. We're just at different stages of the challenge. And it's when you get around other people who are constantly looking for the, uh, how can I make this better? How can I keep improving rather than just denying it and pretending like everything's okay and sweep it under the rug and oh, what happened, right? You, you get yourself around other people. It's inspiring. It's uplifting because here's the truth. Most of your friends and family members, they're not happy. So the advice you get, the feedback you get, even if it's with love, and they're telling you these things because they are projecting their fears, their insecurities, their perceived limitations, right? Because if you prove them wrong, then all of a sudden they might realize that I've been full of shit this whole time, right? And when you, when you start editing the exposure to these conversations, to the type of conversations that you're having, who you're having them with, and you start to put yourself around other people who are also making this kind of progress or, or working towards it. And if you want to just fast forward the whole thing, get a mentor, so, find someone to guide you. Every hero's story ever, whether you're talking about a businessman who made it, we're talking about Luke Skywalker, it doesn't matter. Every version of the story, they'll tell you, I had a mentor or mentors that, that helped me and expedited the process because you are, you are wasting the effort, the time, the missed opportunities, trying to reinvent the wheel. Someone already knows how to get you through this and help you expedite this so that you, are, you become more efficient at getting through the challenge. See, that's really the game. The game isn't learning to avoid challenges, right? And it's not like what we were talking about for the last little while about facing the challenges that you're gonna be constantly in this state of like, this sucks, I'm like grinding. No, the point is, is that you get, you become better at getting through them faster, right? That's the whole idea of fail fast, fail often, I believe it is, or fail often, fail fast, whatever it is. The idea behind that notion is, no, I'm going to seek out the growth opportunities. However, when I get there, I'm really good at getting through them quickly, learning my lesson and moving on. I don't just stay in there and wallow in the pain and, oh, this is so hard and this is going to take me forever. Nope, I've already learned that that's not true either. So that's the trust in yourself. That's the confidence piece that comes from doing that, right? And when you get someone to help guide you through it, this can take a multi-year long process and turn it into a, a few months. Right. Right. And as you know, I know you hire mentors to help you. You mentor people, right? I do the same thing. I, I learned years ago that whenever I want to break through a challenge like this, I just seek out whoever the person is who... I think can help me with it. And I just say, well, just show me how to do it. Guide, I'll hire you and you're going to guide me through this. Show me how to do the thing. What is this magic trick you're doing? And please show me how to do it too so that I can just learn from someone who gets it rather than I'm going to read 90 more self-help books, listen to 3,000 more hours of podcasts and, and try to read between the lines to put it together for me. No, what I say is that like all this stuff is free. You can find almost everything for free now. You can, you can go and figure out how to do your finances better than you know the best. 
you're just not going to do it with accountability and with someone walking beside you and saying, no, this is the, this is the path. And I, I think so many people fall in, well, my friends are, are walking beside me and they're keeping me, they're uplifting me. And my parents, my dad, my dad's a really strong man. And he's, you know, and, but it's, you were, you been living, they've been living in stories too. And until you step out of that circle, I, I just get so sick and tired of people reaming on coaches or mentors. Well, they're just taking advantage. No, this is a whole nother level of a way to get, get uh, ahead. It's a whole nother level of stepping forward. And like you said, accelerating your progress is by hiring someone. Now you are invested in your own growth with someone who's invested with you. So this whole BS about, you know, they're just taking advantage. I'm sick of the coaches thing. And it's like, you just don't get it. <laughs> well, that's the person who needs it the most. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, they've, they've bought into the lie so hard. Right. And I'm not saying that there aren't coaches out there that aren't, don't operate in integrity. There's plenty of them who don't. Oh yeah. Right. It's a lot of smoke and mirrors. And I, and I get where that comes from because when you've been burned once, let alone twice or multiple times, it can be discouraging. I know I have been. I spent lots and lots and lots of money on things that didn't, didn't work for me because I didn't know better. But you know what? I learned a little something and I became a little bit better at picking. It, it's, all learn, it's all growth if you let it be. I was talking to somebody who hired a coach that was smoke and mirrors and it was, it was a disaster. And um, they tried to fire him and they're like, no. And yeah, you, you know, the, the, hor the, the horrible story and they kept coming back to, I spent you know, five grand on this and I just feel so bad. I'm like, like, like stop, reframe the entire situation. What did you learn from this? Like they taught you a lot through this, like how to look for a right coach and what not to do if you're ever helping people. I mean, there's, there's so many lessons and you got to stop looking at things as um, you, you lose money. If you, victim, hero. Right. Right. The victim, woe is me. This guy took advantage of me. Hero is, okay, learned a lot there. That wasn't great. However, I'm going to use that to go find the one that is going to help me. Yeah. And finding wins in places where you didn't find wins before. That is, that's earth shattering, um, like jet fuel. <laughs> like when you can see that, that the win in almost everything you do, even if you failed miserably, that's the differentiator. Uh, that's, that's something that will really light you on fire and get you moving in the right direction really fast. It's a winner's mentality. Again, you look at it as a, look at a pro athlete, go, go watch someone like Rich Froning or Matt Frazier, any of these guys who are repeat winners, right? And watch them train, watch them practice. It's not like they're not making mistakes. They right. make, they make more mistakes because they're trying to find the mistakes and work through them. So that they can, they can, okay, I've, I've got that down. Oh, when someone does that, you're not going to get me there. And they just keep working through the stuff. That is how you go pro. It's just working out all those things. Right. Right. And if you quit the first time someone, you know, runs around you with the ball up, oh, looks like I don't have it. Well, no, now, you know, sometimes I get, I, I'm not that fast when they go to the side, right? Maybe I need to work on my lateral work. Yeah. Right. That's all it is. It's just an opportunity to learn. It's a story you hear all the time, but you're not really downloading the story of um, the invention of the light bulb. 
you know, it didn't happen the first time. In fact, the amount of fails is like astronomical. The amount of times that um, JK Rowling submitted her book for publishing, the amount of times that all these people failed. I mean, you could, you could go into pretty much every single really super famous person or someone who is just really a part of our history and look at it. And you're like, no, they got to where they got because they found all the wrong ways that didn't work and kept adjusting and getting to where, what did. Yeah. <clears throat> and I, um, we got to do that. We have to do it as men, as husbands. I would hope that you wouldn't fail every way possible to learn it. But um, so let's talk about marriage. Let's wrap it up with marriage. You've been married close to 10 years. You have two kids. Um, what are some of your, like from your perspective, what are some of the key things that you tell men they need to do to make sure that they're just crushing it in their marriage? Hmm. All right. Let me try to keep this simple. For one, learning how to become an effective communicator. Okay. This is going to single-handedly already make your relationship 10 times easier and better. Being able to communicate effectively is so important. Okay, so let's start with that. The second piece is learning your love language. So how do you need to, how do you like to receive love? And then first of all, understanding that there are multiple different ways to give and to receive love and that you and your spouse probably aren't the same. And the way that you like to feel loved isn't necessarily the same way that she is going to feel loved. Now, it doesn't mean that she's not going to appreciate the nice gesture or think that you're not, you know, a good husband. But this is where so many relationships that I've seen struggle is because the partners don't understand that, first of all, that there's different ways to, that the person needs to receive it, to feel it, right? You can, for example, and there's a, a wonderful book the five love languages that makes this really simple to understand and gives you some really practical ways to get to the bottom of yours. There's a cool test online. I highly encourage you check it out. It's an easy read and it is worth its weight in gold because it's not just about you learning your, your wife's love language so that you can show her love in a way that she feels it, right? Where she actually receives it completely, right? And it's, it's sometimes it's silly because, you know, for example, for my wife, it's quality time. For me, it's acts of service, right? So that means for someone to give me a bunch of compliments and tell me nice things, oh, you did a great job. And I'm like, cool, thanks. But it doesn't, it doesn't really do much for me, right? So words without action don't mean much to me, but action is everything to me right? You going out of your way and being thoughtful and doing the thing for me because you knew I would appreciate it is speaks volumes, right? That's how you get my attention. And for my wife, acts of service, even though she's like, oh, thanks, babe. Like I would put, you know, put, make her coffee for her in the morning or do the thing. And I'm like, I feel like I do a million things for you because this is how I would want to feel it. But it was landing on deaf ears. It wasn't until I reframed it into oh, she, everything for her is around quality time and gifts, right? That's her primary and her secondary. So I realized, great, I'm going to 
make sure I set aside really focused, really high quality, high attention time for her in some, in lots of smaller doses, and then some really big ones every once in a while. And I'm going to throw in some gifts in between and, and, and pair them up. And it was like striking gold. It was lightning in a bottle. Yeah. Right. Because now I'm not expending all this energy thinking I'm showing her love when I'm just doing it the way I would feel it. Right. And it doesn't mean as much to her. And I could use that same energy to do it the way that she, even if it doesn't feel like it to you, doesn't you get what you want because you, all you really wanted was to sh- let your wife know that you actually love her, which is what unlocks most of the reasons why you might not be happy in the first place. Right. Right. So I think between those two, and actually I'll, I'll give you a third that is an, that glues it all together. Make it a priority. It's not a passive thing. At least not if you want a great relationship. I quite it, it takes it takes effort, it takes attention, and it takes work. And it doesn't have to suck. It doesn't mean like it's going to be again this thing that you just have to like struggle through. Learn how to become good at it. Communicate and how to show her love and you will have you will be most of the way there. You will have the tools now to fill in the rest of the gaps. Exactly. Like I tell men, you didn't land your wife as a wife by just riding, you know, just kind of riding the waves. So why do you think riding the waves now is going to work? You've got to treat it like you're, you're pursuing her every single day. And that takes good communication and it takes understanding her love language and it takes constant effort on your behalf. It's not hard effort. It's just concentrated uh, intentional efforts. And I'm like, if you want to have more sex, if you want to have better sex, it is not that complicated. It really isn't. It's not about where you're grabbing her or, hey, baby, let's do it. It's about what speaks to her. And I think the love languages, um, that, that whole concept, that book is so simple, but so profound. And a lot of men are just missing the mark. Because they're, they're speaking to their wives in the way, they're doing the acts of love in the way that they would want to receive them, which is completely, it's like speaking a different language to her and expecting her to understand you. Yeah. Right. That's awesome. That's great advice. Um, well, man, it's been, it's been a blast. Uh, I, hope, uh, I hope you enjoyed it, but I, I definitely got a lot out of it. I think um, I'm hoping men really paid attention to it. If they did and they want to know more about Marcus Gersey, what's going on, we'll put that in the show notes, but I'll let you uh, do a 30 minute or 30 second. 30 minutes? Yeah, go, man. Yeah. All right. Let me get my uh, my PowerPoint out. Um, (laughs) uh, No, first of all, Scott, it was a pleasure, man. Always a pleasure chatting with you. I love our conversations, whether they're on the air or off. And um, thank you for inviting me on your show. It means a lot. You've built an incredible audience here and you're doing important work. um, And it's an honor to get to beyond this with you. Um, so we, you can find this at, uh, so there are a couple different ways. So you can check us out. There's the Alpha Hippie podcast, which is where you'll find all the, whether they're the live trainings or they're the interviews. Um, we do a lot of different things there. So check out the Alpha Hippie podcast. Um, but if you want to get involved and in, in get around and get into some like tactical, so 
let me put it this way. If you want to get in the mix, we have a private Facebook group. It's totally free to be a part of it. So there's, you're not buying into anything here. Um, but we have a group. There's 1,200 guys in there where we, we do live trainings multiple times a week. And we have great discussions, much like the, the group that you have, Scott. Um, where, but we're focusing on, on the identity work and a lot of things that we talked about today. And um, so that's a really good place to start. And uh, if you're interested in learning more about what we do or working with us, just head over to IamAlphaHippie.com. And um, I, we have a webinar linked on there that you can check out um, or you can book a call and we can chat and figure out what's going on and see how we can help you, whether we work together or not. Um, we offer the calls for anyone who feels stuck or feels like they want more and they don't know what to do. Um, and we'll always point you in the right direction. Incredible. Thanks a lot, bro. Love having you on here. Thanks, Scott. Hey, everybody. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to the Brotherhood of Fatherhood podcast. If you enjoyed the podcast, be sure to share it with your friends, your family, and follow us on social media. If you are a father, make sure you join our Facebook group, The Brotherhood of Fatherhood. Hit the subscribe button and tune in next time for more podcasts from The Brotherhood of Fatherhood.